This is Sarah Stewart-Holland. And this is Beth Silvers. Thank you for joining us for Pantsuit Politics. Tis the season for the federal budget process with a healthy, heaping side of debt ceiling. And has been the case practically since the beginning of our country. There are some partisan debates going on around proposed budgets. We'll discuss the administration's proposed budget as well as the Republicans' response to it on Tuesday. But we thought today would be a good day to revisit our October 2019 episode on the federal budget process itself. Before we get into that, a reminder, next week we're heading to Fort Worth, Texas for our final speaking event of the spring. We'd love to see you there. If you're anywhere close to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you can get tickets through the link in our show notes. And we have heard from so many listeners on the West Coast that they want us to come out their way, and we would love to. So if you're in the Washington, Oregon, or California region of the country and would like for us to come speak to your organization, we'd love to come. Visit our website, pantsuitpoliticsshow.com, and check out the events tab for an overview of our talks and email Elise at hello at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com for more information. We have two dates available this fall, and we're already booking events for the spring of 2024 and would love to help all of us just have the best election year available. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops, if we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat, but wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high-quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. 
It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Let's talk about the federal budget. You know, in some ways, it's budgeting we're all familiar with, money in, money out. And in other ways, it is infinitely more complex. And there's a lot of just sort of basic vocabulary we thought we should run down before we get started. So the first thing you need to know are the meanings of a couple of words. Okay, so you have authorization, which is the first step in the process. Authorization bills create programs, continue programs. Agencies and programs have to be authorized before they can spend money appropriated to them according to the rules of the House of Representatives. Is this rule always followed? No, it is not. But that's the idea. And then an appropriation is authorizing the expenditure of funds for a given purpose consistent with those authorizations. So first we say, this agency exists or this program is allowed to continue. And then we have to tie the specific funding to it through the appropriations process. So we have the national debt, which is not to be confused with the national deficit. You know, we have all that. Why do they all start with the same word? So we have authorization or the same letter, authorization, appropriation. Then you have debt and deficit. So the debt is the money the government owes. The deficit is the amount we spend as exceeded by what we take in. So the amount of by which the government expenditures are greater than the tax collections in a given year. So debt is sort of, we're accumulating that all the time. A deficit is a year-to-year situation. And then, of course, we have the debt ceiling, and that's the limit on the amount of debt the federal government allows itself to hold. And Congress, as you're probably aware from the news stories, raises this debt ceiling often. The first overall debt ceiling was passed in 1939, and since then we've raised the debt ceiling or amended it over 140 times, including a dozen times since 2000. We're going to tell you today about how this process is supposed to play out, but I want to share with you three shortcut terms because we don't usually get through this process as it is supposed Mm -hmm. to play out. And so... The word omnibus is important. This means a budget that encompasses more than one of the 12 appropriations bills that are supposed to go forward individually. And omnibus bills get used when Congress and the president can't agree on those individual bills. So they start stacking them up and tying together provisions that sort of leave people without a choice on what to vote for. Continuing resolutions are another shortcut we take. We're supposed to have the entire government funded by October 1st, the beginning of the fiscal (laughs) year. And we almost never have that done. So Congress passes and sends to the president for signature a continuing resolution. This is just stopgap funding for agencies and programs. They don't want to shut down the government. They want to keep it going at current levels until the regular budget process can be concluded. And then finally, sequestration is a term that you might here. These are automatic across-the-board spending cuts that are in place in case Congress can't get its work done within limits on discretionary spending 
that have been decided in previous years. So sometimes as part of negotiations, Congress will say, we're sick and tired of all this spending, but we're not going to do anything about it today. Future Congresses, you must live by these rules. And if you don't, Mm -hmm. here are these draconian cuts that are going to go into place. And that's what sequestration means. So that's with regards to discretionary spending. So the next thing we want you to know is the difference between mandatory spending, discretionary spending, and tax breaks, because that all affects spending and revenue. Okay, so a third of the federal budget is discretionary. These are programs, agencies, activities that Congress chooses to fund every year. Now, the biggest category of this is military spending, but it sweeps up a lot of things. The defense, Department of Homeland Security, education, the Veterans Administration, Energy Department, HUD, the State Department, NASA. Every year we're deciding, yes, this is what we want to continue to spend money on. So that those are choices and priorities that can be made and often a source of major budget battles because that's what Congress is choosing or choosing not to fund every year. It's why we have to fight about Big Bird and PBS and the, you know, National Endowment for the Arts every time because it's discretionary. And then the rest of the budget is mandatory. Congress cannot change it. When Congress created Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, it mandated the eligibility for participating in those programs. And it said, if people are eligible, you have to pay these benefits. That's why they're called entitlement programs. This also includes SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, and a pretty significant amount of federal spending on transportation. Now, Congress can change the rules to make people eligible for those programs, but it can't change what gets paid out to them. So every year, we just have an estimate of what those costs will be, but it's not a number that Congress is actively moving unless it's considering eligibility change. And then the last really important component of funding mandatory and discretionary program, besides just writing the check, is that we are also technically spending money within the tax code. They're called tax expenditures. There are hundreds of tax breaks written into the federal code. And these tax breaks don't require annual approval or prioritization like discretionary spending or even eligibility debates like mandatory spending. Once they're written in, they remain until modified. So some tax expenditures are larger than the budgets of the programs or departments that spend money for those same purposes. The value of tax breaks, for example, from homeownership far exceed what HUD spends, okay, total. The largest tax tax expenditure in 2019 will be tax exclusions for employer-sponsored health insurance. So we don't have to pay taxes on the money, the value of our employer-sponsored health insurance. And that's a huge bucket of money that doesn't come into the government, that's not collected. So it's seen as basically a tax expenditure because we're not, we're giving that tax break out. We're not taking in that revenue. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. 
Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high-quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsestories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, premium luggage options, and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt in Japan. They like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. We ask on Instagram and Twitter what questions y'all have about the budget, and many of you had questions about deficits and debt. So let's dive into that a little bit more. For fiscal year 2019, the one that just ended, 
The Office of Management and Budget at the beginning of that fiscal year estimated that revenue, so taxes, money coming into the government, would be about $3.4 trillion. The planned spending for 2019 was $4.5 trillion. So in that one-year cycle, we created a $1 trillion budget deficit. That is up 40% from 2018 and the largest deficit we've had since 2012. For this coming year, fiscal year 2020, which starts on October 1st and runs through September 30th of next year, the administration's budget request estimated $4.76 trillion in expenses, with revenue estimated at $3.6 trillion. So again, a little over a trillion dollar deficit, $1.1 trillion. That's a lot of money that we're adding to the debt every year. So that means we're spending more than we're taking in. So as deficit years add up, and we've had lots in a row, the federal debt grows. The federal debt is the sum of all those past deficit years minus any repayments. At the end of the 2019 fiscal year, the national debt was $22.687 trillion. The second straight year, it has risen by trillion dollars. So where are we borrowing this money from? Most U.S. debt is held by investors who buy treasury securities at different interest rates and different maturities. So like when they come due. Okay, so these are both domestic and foreign investors. You always hear a lot about China and both government and private funds. Foreign investors hold more than 40 percent of the total. China and Japan each hold more than $1 trillion of our debt. China is definitely our largest creditor. A problem that we have right now is that our total debt is becoming larger than our economy. The only developed nations in the world with a higher debt to gross domestic product ratio than us are Portugal, Italy, Greece, and Japan. So some of you ask, how are we so indebted and still one of the world's richest nations? And the answer is, we have never defaulted on our debt, and so people are willing to keep loaning us money. In fact, there is a difference of opinion now about how big a problem the debt is among economists, because so far... We just keep racking up debt and none of the doomsday predictions have come true. Some economists think that as long as our interest rates aren't ballooning, which typically happens when you take on too much debt, we're okay to just keep borrowing more. We're still a good bet for the global economy. And they also say that we kind of have a what they call a gray wall against interest rates going up because the population of the United States is aging and older people, in theory, are less likely to take on new debt, which means that the demand for credit will fall as our population ages, keeping the cost of borrowing money fairly low. That is one view of the world. Another view of the world is, hello, by 2050, we're going to be at 100 50% of our GDP in debt, worse than World War II era. And Medicare and Social Security are going to keep getting more expensive as we get Mm -hmm. older. And so we could see really high inflation and sharp increases in interest rate and slower growth. And our national security apparatus tells us the present situation where we are so indebted to China is unsustainable. We don't spend a huge amount of money on the interest on those debts. But it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. I mean, we're already spending more on interest than we are on programs for children. 
So if that tells us anything, if budgeting is about priorities, that should tell you something. Number four. So how is this process supposed to work? Okay. So in theory, we're going to set out our spending priorities in a budget, just like you would if you were running your family budget or your business budget. What's the money coming in? In the government's case, that's taxes versus what's the money going out, aka spending. And it was pretty simple for most of our country's history. Now, Congress has the power of the purse, but they're not going to make individual spending decisions. They're certainly not going to be in charge of that as the size of the federal government gets larger and larger. So for a long time, Congress took care of it. And we only really had deficits during war times, during financial crises. However, as you move into the 20th century, we face the Great Depression. What had been a simple process, if not fragmented, taken by Congress, really wasn't working. So Congress passes the Budget and Accounting Act of 1921, which establishes the executive budget process, which pushes a lot of this process to the executive branch. The president was required to submit his budget recommendations to Congress each year, and the Bureau of the Budget, which became the Office of Management and Budget, the OMB, which you hear a lot about, was created to assist him or her in carrying out the budget responsibilities. The 1921 Act also established the General Accounting Office, headed by the Comptroller General, which was made the principal auditing arm of the federal government. And the GAO was recently renamed the Government Accountability Office. As with so many things that influence our present politics, Richard Nixon gets involved. Because mm-hmm. name comes up so much, man. So Richard Nixon gets his budget, and he believes Congress has appropriated too much for certain programs. And he says, you know, I'm just not going to spend some of this money. And at the time, it was clear that a president needed Congress's permission to spend money. It was not clear if the president had to spend the money and all of it the way Congress said. And so Congress looks at this situation as it's making its way through the court system and decides, we're not really interested in letting the Supreme Court rule on this. We are going to change this process up. And they thought the executive branch has too much budget power and we are going to pass a new law, the Congressional Budget and Impoundment Control Act of 1974. And the principal purpose was to coordinate revenue and spending decisions, which at that point were all over the place. And so it established the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, and directed it to provide data and analysis of the federal budget. And it really set in motion the five main steps of the federal budget process today, which we're looking at at a very high level. Right, because it never works like this. That's going to be number five. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin, so it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. Earthbreeze sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big, heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And 
Even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, gotta love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack, flaky and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy, it's consistent, it's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit, or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. So the president submits a budget request to Congress. And just a a little time out, we're setting up the president submitting his budget as the first step in the process. But in reality, months before that, all the agencies and programs within the executive branch are submitting their budget request to the White House. Then the White House puts together the document and sends that to Congress supposedly and usually by the first Monday in February. Then the Congressional Budget Office submits economic and budget reports to Congressional Budget Committees. And if you remember, I mean, everybody was sort of waiting with bated breath for the CBO reports on like the tax cuts. They're really seen as instrumental and usually nonpartisan in sort of putting forth what they think will happen with this legislation. The purpose of this, the president's budget is for the president to recommend overall fiscal policy. It shares the president's priority for federal programs and recommendations for spending and tax policy changes. 
And then the House and Senate go to work. In each chamber, you have hearings going on, questions being put to officials, and each chamber drafts budget resolutions. Budget resolutions are kind of like, here are our thoughts as we go through this process. They're guidelines, and they set limits on how much each committee that's going to work in a more granular way on the budget can spend or how much they can reduce revenue in bills that they're going to consider. So much goes into this process, and sometimes Congress uses a special procedure called reconciliation to think about the big picture in terms of taxes or deficit reduction or entitled programs. Sometimes they're considering those those automatic across-the-board budget cuts, sequestration, and so they work on their individual budget resolutions. They bring them together and reconcile them, and once they have a budget resolution, they give it to the congressional committees. It is not a law that goes to the president for signature. It's just guidance and direction to those committees that go to work. So then the House and Senate appropriations subcommittees mark up these appropriation bills, and there are usually 12 of them, and they put those together in the omnibus. Recently, when we actually had some of these appropriation bills passed, they they put them together in what they called minibuses, not all 12 together, but in different groups. Then the president signs each of these appropriation bills, and the budget becomes law. So that is how it's supposed to go. It often does not go that way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since the enactment of this current process in the 70s, there have been a total of 22 funding gaps in the federal budget, and 10 of those have led to federal employees being furloughed. So you have significant shutdowns. You have the 21-day shutdown in 95 and 96 with Bill Clinton over spending cuts, the 16-day shutdown in 2013 with Barack Obama's administration over the implementation of the Affordable Care Act. Then, of course, we have the 35-day shutdown in 2018 and 2019 during the Trump administration caused by a dispute over funding of an expansion of the border wall. One other quick thing. Someone asked us if Congress actually reads these budget bills, and I don't know how to answer that question except to tell you that since those 12 sets of bills are so often combined into omnibus bills or continuing resolution omnibus or cromnibus bills or minibus bills and sometimes can be actually thousands of pages long. In 2006, a watchdog group drafted the Read the Bills Act, which would require Mm. members of Congress to at least get full copies of what they are voting on. So there you have it. We'll be back with you here on Tuesday. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Pantsuit Politics is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. Elise Knapp is our managing director. Maggie Penton is our community engagement manager. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers. Martha Brunitsky. Allie Edwards. Janice Elliott. Sarah Greenup. Julie Haller. Helen Handley. Tiffany Hassler. Emily Holliday. Katie Johnson. Katina Zuganellis-Kasling. Barry Kaufman, Molly Kors, Catherine Vollmer, Lori Ladau, Lily McClure, Linda Daniel, Emily Neasley, The Pettins, Tawny Peterson, Tracy Putoff, Sarah Ralph, Jeremy Sequoia, Katie Steigers, Karen True, Annika Uveline, Nick and Elisa Valelli, Amy Whited, Emily Helen Olson, Lee Shea McDonough, Morgan McHugh, Danny Osmond, Jeff Davis, Melinda Johnston, Michelle Wood. 
Joshua Allen, Nicole Berkless, Paula Bremer, and Tim Miller.